Hi, I'm Stacey Garcia. We're in the Karistan showroom where I'm launching my new rug collection and you are watching A Student's Perspective. Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to A Student's Perspective, the weekly series that connects students with designers, manufacturers, educators, industry professionals, and design media celebrities to hear their stories on just how they've gotten to where they are now. Through our conversations, we connect the past, present, and future of design to show just how much we can learn from each other to grow towards our fullest potential without prescribed limitations. Think of a student's perspective as a weekly design lecture series from the student's point of view. A Student's Perspective is a division of the nonprofit University Hall of Innovation, whose goals are to connect students with the design industry through design challenges and mentorship and a collaboration with the Marywood University Interior Architecture Program in Scranton, Pennsylvania. All interviews can be found in their video format at www.astudentsperspective.tv. For more information or sponsorship inquiries, please contact University Hall of Innovation at gmail.com. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Student's Perspective. I am Jen. And I am Katie. Today we are at the 2022 uh, Spring Market uh, at High Point, North Carolina, and we're here with Stacy Garcia, a product designer and entrepreneur, and we're excited here to talk with her today. So thank you for uh, speaking with us today. We're so excited for the conversation. So would you just like to start out with introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your background? Sure. Well, thank you for having me, and I'm so excited, and I know we were emailing back and forth, so, you know, it's, I'm glad we finally got to make it happen, and it worked out really well because, you know, here we are in the showroom, we have my new rug collection as our backdrop, and as you said, I'm a product designer, I'm an entrepreneur, I own two businesses, my first company is called Libatex, and it was where I took my passion and my degree in surface pattern design, and I actually started a textile company, and that company is over 22 years old. We supply fabrics to hotels and resorts through that business. And my second company is Stacy Garcia Design, and that was actually a spin-off, and maybe, maybe we'll get to talk about that today. Um, so that was my second business, and that's a product design and licensing company. So we create collections for manufacturers under one of my uh, multiple brands. That's really nice. Yeah. So speaking of the product design, what kind of product do you dive into? Is it just all types of furniture? Do you do wallpaper? If you wanted to elaborate on what you do. Yeah. So my roots are actually designing product, as I said, for hospitality or hotels. Um, and that was really where I started out. So my first job out of school, I'm going to go into storytelling before I answer your That's question. Fine, yeah. So my first job out of school was actually um, working at a company in the textile building, one of the textile buildings in New York City. And that company at the time was called Cadillac Curtains and Oxford Draperies. And I was designing sort of engineered drapes and textiles that were sold in catalogs. And I worked there for about a year, and one of the people I worked with left and went three floors up to another company called Richloom Textiles. And they're still a very large textile converter and importer. And she introduced me, and I got hired in their contract division. And I had no idea, you know, well, what that meant. And for them, the contract division focused mostly on hospitality and creating uh, collections of fabrics that went into hotels. And at the time, it was super themey. 
and so it would you'd go to like Las Vegas and it would be crazy patterned bedspreads. It was not white like you see it today. Mm -hmm. um, and it was all a different theme, right? It was, it was a tropical theme or, you know, New York, New York or Paris. And I fell in love with the hospitality industry mm -hmm. because it was like creating patterns and color that transported people. It was like fantasy design. And I loved it. And I did that for five years. And when I was ready to start my own business, I was like, I'm sticking with the hospitality industry. This is what I love. And so I founded Libatex, and I can tell you that story a little later if we have time, but that was the first company I founded when I was in my 20s. And so I was kind of sitting with this you know, hospitality textile firm, and I showed at a trade show, um, my first collection. And a year in, I had an opportunity, um, I had a actually, <laughs> Hunter Douglas, who's a major company, they're a billion dollar window covering company, they were acquiring businesses and they kind of circled around my booth a few times and started to ask me if I was interested in selling my company. And I was like, well, I'm only in my 20s. Like I started this a year ago. I'm not really interested in selling it, but you know, maybe we can talk about other things. And I had an uncle who was working just to help me, like volunteering out of love to help me. I wasn't paying him at all. <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like, Stacy, like take the meeting. You gotta meet with them, mm -hmm. at least hear what they have to say. And so I took the meeting um, under Uncle Larry's advice, and <laughs> he, you know, we, we ended up not selling the business, thankfully, but actually deciding to do a spin-off company. So I decided, you know, just in case if I ever wanted to sell this textile company, I would still own my name, Stacy mm -hmm. Garcia. So I came up with, you know, the, the second company, Stacy Garcia Inc., and that's the design and licensing business. And so Hunter Douglas was one of my first licensed partners. And from there, over the course of the next, I guess it's been, I don't know, 16, 17 years, the whole COVID's been a time warp, but um, of running this company, I've created licensed partnerships, everything from floor to ceiling. So your first oh, question wow. was kind of like, you know, do you design furniture or carpets? What are the things? So it really is everything from floor to ceiling. And my roots are in the hospitality industry because I spent so much of my career designing products for hospitality. So we're doing carpets, um, we're going to be launching LVT, which is luxury vinyl tile, we do wall coverings, textiles, throw blankets, lighting, furniture, um, really kind of everything that you would put into a hotel, artwork that we've developed under licensed collections with different partners. And, uh, and then from there rolled it into other brands and that's kind of where we're sitting today as we've uh, grown our business, expanded our footprint from hospitality into home decor. Okay. Okay. So thank you for diving into all of that because that yeah. definitely gave us a little bit of background of how you ended up where you are today. So would you say that you are leaning more towards residential or and not hospitality work or are you still in that industry as well and like kind of meshing the two? Yeah, still very, very embedded in the hospitality world. Um, that business had kind of, I would say, you know, atrophied a little bit um, mm -hmm. <laughs> over the last two years during COVID when people were not traveling so much. So that was definitely sort of, we shifted our focus during that time and, and looked and said, well, people are staying home. This was always on our radar. We always wanted to be in the world of residential and actually pre-COVID had launched a collection with QVC. So this was always something that we looked to do was to expand what we did because really people will travel. They, you know, you go into a hotel, you love the decor and sometimes, you know, people might open a dresser drawer and it would say Stacy Garcia and we would get 
a text from somebody or an email from somebody, oh, we love this, can we buy it? And the mm-hmm. answer was like, well, yes, if you have 100 rooms that you want to put yeah, it in, right. we can sell it to you or our partner can sell it to you. But if you want it for your house, there was no way to access it. Mm-hmm. And so we had really started to look at, well, how do we expand so that consumers who love what we do can bring it home with them and have that experience or a version of it home with them. And so we took that idea and went to QVC, which is, I don't know if you know what it is or the students listening know what it is, but it's an online TV show where you sell product um, 24 hours a day and they have multiple channels. Mm -hmm. Um, If you ever saw the movie Joy, she got her start on QVC. And um, so that was something we pitched to their lead buyer. They loved the idea of sort of bringing hospitality home and we created a brand for them called Stay by Stacy Garcia. And so I spent two years going on to TV, bringing product to consumers that were inspired by hotels. So like crisp white bedding and pretty linens and nice towels and plush rugs and all of these kind of fun things. But it was more almost spa, you know, the, the sort of angle or the look and feel of that brand was almost like spa, very kind of clean and white and pastel and a little bit of pattern, but not too crazy, very sort of zen and understated. Mm-hmm. So that was our first foray into consumer product. And then as I was saying, you know, when, once COVID happened, we really started to say, okay, well, what else can we bring to market? And my stay brand was exclusive to QVC at the time. So I created Stacy Garcia Home and really with the idea of bringing inspiration and this kind of modern look that I love um, into the marketplace, not just under this Zen feel, but kind of in this whole home, this whole lifestyle. And that's you know really what the Stacey Garcia home brand is about, kind of, we call it modern eclectic. Oh, I like that a yeah. lot. Um, so I just wanted to say that I'm also really excited to hear about that because just being a student here at High Point Market, I was curious how being a buyer works. So I'm not sure if anyone listening understands that you kind of sign up as a guest, as a exhibitor, as a student, buyer guest, so on and so forth. And I was looking for a gift for my mom and I asked someone, so how can I go about getting this? And they were like, well, you can spend $500 and get a minimum of this item and so on and so forth. So it's nice to hear that you kind of are already creating that at a broader level, of course, because we're only at high point and that's kind of the gist of what you do here as yeah. a buyer. But outside of this place, it's really nice to hear that you recognize that, that, hey, like people like this product. It doesn't just have to be wholesale items and just yeah. full on, you know, repetitiveness within a hotel room or whatever that may be. So it's nice that you're like, all right, let's branch off and do this for those people that are interested in that. Right. To, to give access to people who you want one rug, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Like you want, like you said, I want one pillow mm-hmm. I want or whatever, you know, I don't have, I don't want to have to spend $500 to open a minimum. Right. And like you said at market, um, and there's all different kinds of trade shows and markets that happen all over the world for different products. But typically when you're buying and you're coming in as a wholesale buyer, there's an expectation that you're going to spend a minimum amount to have access to those discounts and then you get to resell them at retail. So yeah, what's nice too is with some of our partners, like here we happen to be in the Karistan showroom, a lot of these companies started to get actually very designer friendly. Mm -hmm. In the past, I would say like a decade ago, that wasn't true. So maybe 10 years ago, a lot of the showrooms, if you didn't have large retail footprints with brick and mortar stores 
and be spending minimum dollars, you weren't even allowed in their showrooms. So they kind of almost excluded interior designers. And they, they would look and say, well, the trade people, like the designers, the architects, you know, they'll shop at the the showrooms in Manhattan or the showrooms, you know, in Florida. They'll, you know, where they'll go, their trade reps will come and they'll call on them and they'll give them sample books. You couldn't get into these showrooms. And what happened, I think probably around the uh, housing bubble in 2008, is the showrooms started to have to draw more customers in. And their eyes opened, they realized what a big buying group the interior designers were and how much money actually they were responsible for spending for their clients. And so a lot of the showrooms here started to really become what I call designer friendly, which is you can buy one rug from this company if you have a trade account set up. So if you're an interior designer, you don't have to buy you know, thousands of dollars or hold inventory. If you have one home that you're designing or one living room and you just need the one rug, they will happily take care of you and treat you right. And so I think it's finding really, that's kind of one of the keys to success as you're building a practice as a designer is finding partners that will support your business where you are, you know, mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. size that you're at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so jumping back to, um, you talked a little bit about starting your own company, and as a student in our 20s, kind of, I'm kind of interested at like your process of just starting out. Um, like, I know you said you started in textiles, but like, I could never dream of like opening right. up a business right now, at least. So I was just wondering, like, maybe you could tell like a little bit more about. Uh, your process and how you kind of got to the idea of like I'm just gonna do it myself yes that's a great question Um, I would say my advice is take a job first like if you can learn on somebody else's dime that's always a good thing right get a job even if they're not paying you like if there's something that you're this is your dream volunteer for them do you know do an unpaid internship whatever it is just to be around it to be exposed so I think experience is something that has a huge value because you're learning from somebody else how to do it sometimes you learn how not to do it right you're gonna learn from their mistakes too valuable too yeah (laughs) and you know sort of understand more of that process so so much um, I, I think of my success is that I spent some time working in the industry first. I didn't just dive right out of college, although I do know some people do, and some people have been very successful doing it, depending on their business and how the stars align for them. Yeah. But for me, in my personal journey, I really believe that the work I did, both interning, um, I actually interned at Ralph Lauren. I was very, very oh, fortunate um, that I had a professor, just you know, just like you do, who were well connected mm-hmm. in industry, and so she had a contact there with the creative director of that studio, and I got to do a summer internship there, which was like the first time I ever heard the word licensing. I had no idea what licensing mm-hmm. was. Now that's like my core business, mm-hmm. and and then from there went on to take the jobs that I was telling you about as a textile designer. And I I worked for about six years in industry before I started my own business, which is not very long, but it was long enough to understand how printing worked, to have visited mills, to have seen the techniques, to hear the pricing. The other thing I'll say is if you do dream ever about going off on your own, even if you don't, even if you just dream, you know, not even just, just want to climb the ladder, you want to evolve, you want to be the one who runs the studio one day, whatever it is that your dream is, raise your hand and ask for opportunity. So in my company, I was I was really lucky. I had gone to a trade show 
and here I was, this young, you know, I was probably 22 or 23 years old, you know, at the, this trade show. It wasn't my first one, but a woman came by. She was sort of really seasoned in our industry, and she came by and started chatting with me about our trade show booth that I had put together and the colors that, from a collection I had designed. And she said, oh, this is so great, and I see you're young and you're getting started. And she said to me, join two organizations. And she recommended two organizations for me to join. At the time, they were both, one was in hospitality and one was in color and forecasting. She said, join Color Marketing Group so that you'll get to meet all of these other industry people and join NEWH, which was Network for Executive Women in Hospitality. And she said, you'll meet a network of people and you'll advance your career that way. It'll be really good for you. And I was like, Okay, and I listened to her. So I didn't just hear what she said and blow it off. Yeah. I heard what she said and I immediately went mm -hmm. and signed up for both organizations. And what I did first, um, NEWH I think I joined on my own. Color Marketing Group was more expensive and really to get the value out of it, you needed to go and attend the conference. Mm -hmm. And so I went to my boss and I pitched him to say, hey, I've heard about this group. I'm really interested in joining. I'm really interested in attending. And if you let me go, I'll present back, I'll do a write-up, I'll do a presentation, I'll present back to the studio the things mm -hmm. that I learned. And he went and got approval for me and they sent me to this conference that cost a couple thousand dollars and I got to go. And so it was one of those things where it was like you have to advocate for yourself mm -hmm. and let people know that you're interested in going and you're interested in learning. And it was great exposure. I mean, it expanded my network like overnight. I met all of these people, not just in textiles, you know, in in fashion and automotive and all designing all kinds of product and sat in on their process. So that was really just a great, you know, piece of advice is if you're going to go off on your own or if you're going to grow your career, I think the more exposure you have the better and the more you can increase your network of people, the quicker right. doors will open for you. That's really awesome because we are lucky to be in a curriculum in which we are given opportunities to join clubs. So we are on the exec cap of IADA and we're actually a part, like a subcategory of the actual organization of that. So we were able to have someone from that organization come and give uh, the other students a little spiel about what it is. So that alone was one connection among so many. And then of course being here at High Point, um, you mentioned that you met like furniture designers, fashion designers. Yeah. So that also I think introduced us to the fact that there's so many avenues that are interior architecture degrees can take us I don't think I even know like what yeah. route I want to take yet because yeah. I'm just so excited about all of the options that are just given to us just by coming here and seeing and experiencing it so it is nice to hear that that's exactly what kind of helped you get to that totally. point so I'm excited to you know use those chances go to those conferences and keep up with the um, places that we've been joining like IFDA we were able to join that and we were able to already meet a few people that are in the organization of IFDA here and see them and talk to them and again it's just like growing that network network is really awesome so I feel just like really grateful and excited to hear that that is yeah. how you kind of got from point A to point B it's your network there's a saying that says your network is your net worth and that's so true yeah so the, it's the people you know who will open the doors for you and the, those are the people you can lean on for advice mm -hmm. that will point you in a direction if you're kind of at a fork in the road right. so you know it's keep up with those people you don't have to talk to them every day you know but even still I mean I'm I don't know 26 years out of my college graduation I'm still in touch with my professor <clears throat> excuse me that opened the door for me at Ralph Lauren and she sends me interns and mm -hmm. she has sent me people that I've hired. 
So keep, you know, keep that network intact. It's really, it'll be helpful for you. Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to mention, and I remember it, I mean, as a student, I was not the person that I am today. I was a seedling of the person I am today. I was just getting started. I had big dreams for myself. But there's an intimidation factor, too, when you're, like, surrounded by people who are established in their career. And so, you know, I remember being nervous. I mean, I was a kid in high school who looked at my feet as I walked down the hallways. I didn't want to make eye contact with people. I was insecure and nervous and you know I always felt like everybody else was cooler than I was and so I, I didn't want to have to talk to people so I was much more introverted believe it or not yeah it is kind of crazy like I just you know you some people you blossom at different times you know and so I overcame that as I got into college but still remember being really intimidated by you know the interview fairs or like you said these organizations you look around even after college graduation, the first event I went to for NEWH, I went with somebody who was a mentor of mine at Richland. She became a very, very dear friend. She's turning 80 this year. Oh, wow. um, and again, she and I are still in touch. She is long retired. But I remember attending this big gala, and the two of us walked in, and all the women who were members were wearing pearls. Like, they were, like, you know, junky, kind of whatever. Mm -hmm. fun. And she was like, it was like we didn't get the memo. She goes, I feel like we just walked into, like, a sorority party, <laughs> but we don't know anybody. <laughs> so I was so happy to have somebody with me there mm -hmm. to kind of help me. She was confident, you know, help yeah. me kind of network and understand it. But really quickly what I discovered, and this is the advice I really want to share with anybody who's listening who has that fear factor about showing up and showing up as a student and worrying about like, well, what do I have to bring to the table? Like what value am I going to add to this whole group of seasoned professionals? What was amazing to me was at one of my first conferences at Color Marketing Group, same thing. I went by myself at that point. Like I had, you know, gra sort of graduated the school of Martha, who was like, "Come on, I'll take you in. We'll figure out this, you know, pseudo sorority together." And I went by myself to this Color Marketing Group, and they they break you off into um, different um, groups that are forecasting color, and you're sharing information. And same thing, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I mean, I'm like, you know, I, I promised that I was going to do a write-up, but I don't know what kind of value I add. And all of these seasoned forecasters are there talking about, now I'm going to date myself, what does Gen X, you know, want to buy? What does Gen X want to buy? And these are all boomers, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, I could tell you, like, yeah. actually, let me speak for my demographic. These are the things that we like. These are the things, or at least that I do and my friends do. And all of a sudden, the entire room was on me like leaning in to hear what I had to say about this generation and what materials or colors or where we spend our money or what our hopes and dreams were and what were important to us from a value structure and where we were in our life and our chapter. And I can tell you as somebody who's now in product development and bringing things to market and understanding what demographic ultimately we're trying to reach and transact with the next generation, like the Zoomers, are a huge demographic. It's really important for us to understand, you know, who anyone who's in product development to have that voice to, to understand, you know, what are the things that are important to you and your generation. So for the students out there, I think it's sort of understanding that that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. What you're even just from that demographic, from that generation, people who are seasoned want to hear from you. So show up, talk about that, you know, bring your perspective. You're living it. 
i think we've been learning a lot this week and then we were also lucky enough to come last fall high point market so we've been learning a lot that everyone is excited that you learn from older generations but you also learn from younger generations and to not be bashful about it to just speak up when you know what you know and it's don't be scared to do that and I'm sure that in that room you probably impressed so many people like here's this girl that walked in and at first she was timid but now we're learning from her and we're excited to hear more from her so it's nice again to just kind of have that inspiration to go out there say exactly what you think that is needing to be heard so it's nice to hear that you also had that impact in that room alone oh for sure and I feel really fortunate I have four children so I'm you know look and I say well my oldest is 22 so he's in this generation. He's a student. He's graduating this year from Northeastern. And I say my kids keep me cool. You know, I'm completely <laughs> open to what they have to say. I mean, I listen because they know more than we do. And I laugh because I'll come in to our team. I mean, everything from social media ideas, you know, to new product ideas. They're, they have such, you know, just a different feel for things, you know, mm-hmm. a different pulse on things. And they're in it, I mean, especially my 12-year-old, probably more than even, you know, you guys, because she has time to do it. So she's not doing, you know, papers and presentations yet. That's not her chapter. So she's just consuming TikTok like a beast, you know? (laughs) So there are things that I'm like, I'll come into my office and go like, well, Layla said we have to do this. And my team is like, Stacey, you know, you're talking to us like we don't know. And I was like, no, you don't. Like, right. you know, I love you all. You're amazing and you're brilliant and you're so good. But she's the next generation down, mm-hmm. even from the recent college graduates. Like, she's a decade younger. And she brings perspective that is just different than yeah. what we understand. We should listen to her, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, every decade is different. And it's crazy that, like, we're, like, you seem like you're so close that we have, like, brothers and sisters that are, like, 10 years older or younger than us, but, like, their perspective, like you said, their perspective is so different Mm -hmm. than how I view the the world or whatever. Right. Also, you mentioned social media, too. I feel like it's crazy how engrossed everyone in our generation is in that. So then also I think that's affecting the trends. Like, trends are constantly changing at a rapid pace. So it's nice that you also have that chance to kind of sit down and chat with them. So what are you seeing on there? Like, (laughs) tell me a little bit about that. Exactly. It's cool that you are like you listen to them and you're like okay tell me what is mm-hmm. going on and like I think that's so interesting because a lot of people like my mom is like I can care less about what's <laughs> going on on the internet but I'm like no like this is going to tell us what ha- is going on yeah so but um I just so I you talked a little bit about your kids and how they keep you young but um where does your inspiration come from like every day to kind of keep going I I'm sure they are one of them but I'm just kind of curious to see like how what inspires you from day to day okay so it's really a great question I don't know if you knew this but my tagline for my company is stay inspired and so I always felt like it first of all it was a play on my name which is Stacy but the idea of inspiration and where does that come from and what inspires people so I I love the question and yes you're right of course my children are an inspiration but I look at myself sort of as, when you look at design, I always say that design lives at the intersection of art and commerce. And so that's sort of the bridge between this thought process as an artist and then having to translate it into something that's gonna be saleable into the marketplace, right, where commerce happens. Mm-hmm. So inspiration is a really important part of being a designer and what's that thought process. So for me, I pull inspiration from everywhere. Um, I know that's you know not a fair answer, but I think it speaks to our brand ethos and certainly what we're doing here with this modern eclectic look. 
everything that comes out of our studio really does have sort of a modern slant to it. For me, that means, you know, the idea of modern or contemporary is bringing out product and design that's appropriate for the people who are living today, right? What's important to us today? So I always feel like you have to bring a modernness to it or contemporaneous to it because what's important today may not have been what was important 20 years ago mm -hmm. or 100 years ago. So I, I love sort of having that modern element to it. For me, modern is also a little more clean-lined, mm -hmm. not super fussy. So I like, you know, always doing things that are a little more edited and feel, to me, a little more contemporary. But the inspiration comes from all over. So as I said, I have roots in hospitality, which means I also did a lot of travel and I love to travel. So you'll see elements from different cultures, from some of my trips, things that I picked up, you know, it might be Morocco, it might be Israel, it, you know, all different places, Spain or Greece. Wherever I've been, I always bring elements, whether that's color, pattern, material ideas, back with me. Um, some of my inspiration comes from nature. So I find, you know, sometimes I'll go on a hike, I'll take pictures, um, again, bringing texture back to the studio, ideas like that. I love vintage, so I have a, a nice collection, actually, of vintage textiles and vintage wallpapers. Um, actually, there's a rug right behind you, so this one here that sort of feels like the more traditional mm -hmm. of the group came from a vintage patch that I have, so it looked like it was on like a shoulder patch. So it was this tiny little really worn patch that I just thought was really cool when I bought it, and I knew, you know, I'd make it into something at some point, and so it became a rug. So it, we put it into repeat, we built texture into it to kind of replicate some of that aging that was on yeah. this old patch. And I think it, it became a beautiful rug. Yeah, yeah definitely like, did. And um, yeah, and then I'm a New Yorker, so certainly like the grit of the right. city, you know, inspires some of my work. The architecture of the city inspires some of my work. Um, so you'll see, you know, some of that graphic quality mm -hmm. in some of the things that I do. So I really kind of take inspiration from all different places. And I think that is that idea of, I don't want to just call my look modern. Mm -hmm. I love this idea of layering in, you know, using color as a tie between you can see it even here you know this is mostly yeah. neutrals but how you have kind of organic texture with something that looks like a 70s floral with something that came off of a vintage patch and it could all work together in an interior space like color can become a common thread mm -hmm. as long as the scale plays nicely together and so that's really a lot of how i approach design and right. a lot of what inspires my collections that's really nice to hear that and to keep the inspiration moving. I'm kind of curious now, like if you ever find yourself like in a writer's block, but in a designer's form of that, do you find yourself just going out into nature, taking a walk or what do you do to kind of overpass that challenge? I do think inspiration is something that you have to purposely cultivate. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise you get busy or you get sucked into social media and you lift your head up and you go, wow, like three hours just went by, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and I didn't really find inspiration there. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, my mind was in a fog, but there was nothing truly inspiring, maybe funny, but not inspiring. Mm -hmm. So I do think you have to make time for inspiration. Um, there's a great book by Julia Cameron that's called The Artist's Way. And it's, one of those things that, you know, if you pick it up and read it, it's not a hard read, but she sort of takes you through this process. So again, I really do believe as designers, art has to be part of our process. And so she'll tell you to take yourself on artist dates and you just book time to go and be inspired and, you know, book time to go and create. And so that is really something that I try to build into my practice and in my studio. Um, I would say my, my writer's block, so to speak, my, you know, my inspiration block, 
I struggled over COVID because we were like, I, I joke, we were like fish in a fishbowl. Like yeah. I would swim from one side of my kitchen to the other side of my <laughs> kitchen that I would swim back to the other yeah. side and you're sort of looking at the same thing over and over again. Um, and things became sort of sterile feeling almost, you know, you're on zoom and you're not, I wasn't, you know, getting dressed mm -hmm. so much and it was uninspiring yeah. a little bit and I have really a beautiful home and I was so happy to be surrounded by my family. But after, you know, a while, I mean, after the first year, it kind of lost its luster, yes. you know? Yeah. So I started going on walks with my husband and, you know, just sort of this kind of simplistic ritual of, okay, you know, it was like a time for the six o'clock walk. And I started watching the trees and it sounds silly, but it's like we were walking almost every day. And so you start noticing like, okay, the tree is barren and then, you know, the tree'd still be barren. And then you'd start to see like a little tiny bit of color coming out. Oh, you know, the season's changing. And I started to just watch these trees over the course of a year and seeing that cycle of nature. And that became a source of inspiration for me just to sort of witness what nature was doing by itself, you know, not bothered by anybody, not bothered by COVID right. and the different colors that came out and watching the tree in bloom and then watching the tree lose it, you know, change its leaves and, you know, all the different things, the flowers would fall off and it would just be leaves on the tree, you know, then they would change color and then those would fall off again. And you sort of say, wow, like, look at this beauty. So that was um, a ritual that we developed and just kind of started to purposely look to be inspired. And then we do inspiration trips. So I'll do inspiration days with my studio um, from time to time. So we actually just took our team to the Met in New York City wow. and we saw the Disney exhibit and, um, you know, just really, it was interesting to see his process where he loved Rococo mm -hmm. um, art and architecture and decor and how that became a basis of some of the uh, animated movies that he did. And you see all of this kind of, you know, elements show up and Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella. And it was, it was really uh, a cool exhibit and to see what made somebody else who was so creative tick. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's so awesome. Yeah. I feel like you've already given us so many pieces of advice and just hearing how you stay inspired and that alone, I think we're gonna take with us to just get outside of our comfort zone and kind of look for that inspiration. I don't know if you wanted to ask the final question. Yeah, we the... have our one last question. If you could go back and uh, tell your student self some advice, what would that be? So, um, if I could go back and tell my student self advice, I think it would be to enjoy the journey. I, I feel like I was in such a rush mm -hmm. to get my job and, and work my way up the ladder and learn and you know and then launch you know get it get into my first business I was in such a rush to make things happen um, it's probably great advice for my adult self too is to enjoy the journey yeah. a little more um, I think some of it is when you're in a rush you know when you can see your end goal so clearly and you just want to make it happen. You know, you mm -hmm. see that next goal and you're climbing toward that next goal. I think a lot of times we forget about actually living our life. Right. And so, you know, I think that would be my advice is sort of like, you know, sister, it'll it'll work itself out. Like it's, yeah. you know, just have fun, enjoy the process, you know, go go have a lunch with one of your coworkers, you know, go again, go out, mm -hmm. you know, go go see an exhibit, go to the park, enjoy this part of the journey because each chapter becomes like nostalgic to you when you're older. I look back at my first apartment that you know was a one bedroom and I shared it with my cousin who's a year older than me and we were really really close and she had graduated a year before and lived at home for the year and we had our master plan and we were going to move into New York City together and we did 
and you know we split the bedroom in half so it was a railroaded bedroom so we could have like a nice size living right. room which was still a matchbox of an apartment <laughs> and I remember thinking like I can't wait until we could have you know the the nicer apartment or I can't wait until I can you know do this right you can't wait and I look back and now and I go like what a fun chapter yeah. like why was I rushing to the next mm-hmm. thing like what a fun chapter you know to kind of be single and in the yeah. city with you know your best friend cousin and yeah. you know sort of co-sharing a bed right mm-hmm. you know it was like yeah. fun yeah you, yeah you look back and you're like maybe I should have yeah. done it a little bit longer I know. <laughs> right exactly yeah. you know and so it's a really good reminder for us because we're graduating what like five weeks yeah. so it's like you need to just sit back yeah. and enjoy the rest of this college experience because we won't have it forever now. Yeah. The four of us here, we talk about wanting to move to New York in a little <laughs> yeah. matchbox too. Yes. So I don't know. That's where we're climbing together. Right. That, that little match. It. Yeah. So it's so funny, and I look back now. So you know, it's like, okay, I've quote made it. Like I got mm-hmm. to those things that I thought I wanted at mm-hmm. the time, and I'm happy. I, I there's no regrets about it. So I want to make that really clear. Like I'm very satisfied. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's funny because I was visiting a friend um, who's an artist and designer. She has a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And Bushwick is super gritty and super artsy and it's very like, you know, you basically it's it's not residential and you walk through and she and I were laughing because I met her for lunch two weeks ago. I was filming something six minutes away from where her studio is. So I just called her on, you know, a whim and I was like, hey, are you in New York? I'm here, I'm, I'll be there in six minutes if you're here. I'll just come and say hello. And she goes, no, let's have lunch together. Okay, great. So we're walking through this super gritty area, like it's dirty and there's, you know, murals that are spray painted on every, you know, outside of every building mm-hmm. and there's graffiti and stuff happening. You know, you pass, I'm like, it kind of smells like pickles. She's like, yeah, cause that's a pickle factory. And then you like walk <laughs> down the block and they're doing like marble work and you walk another block and each area is just making stuff behind mm-hmm. these factory walls. It's all commercial. And we're walking through, and she first teased me where she said, I'm so glad you're a New Yorker because you're not clutching your purse. Like, you know, she was one of my friends <laughs> right. who are not from here come and visit. Yeah. They're nervous. And I said, yeah, no, I, I actually, I'm walking through going, I think I might need a studio here. Or, like, maybe I need to move. It's right on the, like, the cusp of Brooklyn mm-hmm. and Queens. I was like, maybe I need an apartment, like, here where, like, people are making it happen. Mm-hmm. Like, where people are still, you know you're not super cushy, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, this is where the creativity happens. So it's sort of like, you know, you hit a certain chapter in your life and you go, not that I want to go back, I don't want to have to struggle quite as much, mm-hmm. you know, but to just be in it where yeah. there is young creative people, again, it keeps you inspired. You know, yeah. it's one of the other things that keeps me inspired. Yeah, you could literally walk outside on the city street and just like look at people yeah. walking by and you're like, that can be something too. And, just and there are people just creating stuff like making things and you know just really like living off of their creativity right that's amazing thank you so much for everything you've told us today and for sitting down with us for this conversation i feel like we have so much we can take with us along with the rest of our journey yeah. um, I don't well, know. thank yeah. you this has been so fun and i love like i said i love speaking to young people you know you're just getting started mm-hmm. and i kind of can't wait to see all of the great things that you all accomplish right. i'm excited and to see all that new stuff you're talking yes. about introducing to the world yeah <laughs> thank you well i was going to say for anyone who wants to check it out it is at stacy garcia inc awesome. and there's no e in stacy so follow along the journey um playing with a tiktok account now too but mostly yes. on instagram okay. and facebook Maybe we'll <laughs> nice. so you never know awesome. well right. thank you for joining us and thank you everybody else for joining us on another episode of a student's perspective join us next week as the conversation continues
We hope you like this discussion with the design industry from a student's perspective. Please like, share, and comment, and stay tuned for more inspiring conversations to come.